Welcome to Megan's Bookish Life, a podcast where literary meets lifestyle. Hi, Matt. Thank you for saying yes to being on Megan's Bookish Life podcast. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) So this episode has been a long time in the making, which says me, because I feel like this this relationship has almost expired. Um, Cut that out. (laughs) So... (laughs) transpired has this relationship has grown how about that (laughs) i'm just remembering because i have a terrible memory but like when you said that it reminded me how we connected i have it written down how do you remember it well i have a bad memory like i just said but i remember that you posted something and it was so funny and it made me laugh and i sent you a message and said something like oh my gosh, you just made my night or something like that. Can I send you a book? Right? Isn't that kind of what happened? That's 100% what happened. And I'm proud that you remembered our friendship blossoming. So what happened was, (laughs) (laughs) you'll forget my name by the end of it. It's fine. (laughs) But do you remember, what I don't remember is what the video was. I do. So what happened was on TikTok, I don't even do TikTok half the time anymore. On TikTok, there's a steamy lit filter that says what what like author should you read before steamy lit con. I posted a TikTok and I was like, I guess I made some commentary that was funny. I should look back on that. And then I posted that on Instagram, my TikTok on Instagram. And I don't know if I could do that, but I did anyways. Steamy lit reposted it. You saw it. Okay. You DM'd me, and here we are today. That's what it was. But I don't remember exactly what you said, but it was really funny. It made me but laugh. That's you know? who I am I'm as like, a person. So thank you for coming on. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, you're on Instagram and you're, I'm like, oh my God, this is boring. This is boring. This is boring. Oh, look, another picture of like, that's got like some pink filter on it, you know, like everything's pink. So then I came to your video and it made me laugh. Like, je- I wish I remembered what it was. But- I'm going to find it and then I'll send it to you. And if it's so funny, then you have to tell me if it is. Cause I don't even remember I mean, what I said. How will you find it? It's on my TikTok still. Oh, okay. But it's okay. like, but it's, it's, I don't know how TikTok happens. I can find it and save it and send it to you kind yeah, of thing. I'm learning TikTok a little bit, not really, but a little bit. And you can go from your own video and you can actually send it to someone on Instagram as a DM. Oh, okay. So maybe I'll do that. It just sends a link, you know, like it sends, yeah. it just sends a link. Yeah. Do that. Cause I would like to see it. Me too. Spam. No, just kidding. It's from <laughs> Megan. This is a typical thing. Oh, God. I still have a question. I don't remember what's going on. Okay, so now I am apparently a, I'm an M.A. Wardell fan because he is a fan of my one video. (laughs) So to hype everyone up even more for this episode, so I know you're married, okay? But pretend we just matched on Tinder and I was bored. (laughs) I wasn't done with the question. Pretend we just matched on Tinder and I was extremely bold for once in my life and messaged you first asking you to tell me about yourself. What would you say? Okay. The reason I laughed so hard wasn't because we were matched, but because I have been married for so long. Like when I met my husband, Tinder wasn't even a thing. So like I only know about Tinder from like friends and, and I've seen like friends like doing it. Um, okay, what am I supposed to do? Tell you about myself? Yeah, what who the heck are you? Oh, so my name is 
Matt, and I write under the pen name M.A. Wardell, and my debut steamy queer rom-com, uh, which is called Teacher of the Year, came out in May of this, just this past May, which is 2023. Who knows? People could be listening to this, like, you know, in the year 3000. I don't know. Um, and I live in New England, and I live really close to the ocean, which I love. I love, I love, 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 like, being near the ocean. Um, I am a cat dad, which if you've read my book, you probably know, like I love cats, but you know, the funny thing is I was not a cat person. Like most of my life, I always had dogs. And when my last dog died, maybe it's been like five or six years. It's probably been like six years now when my last dog died, I was like, you know, I think I want to try a cat. Like I was really, you know, if you've ever had a dog die, it's like really hard. And I'm like, I just want something different. And so I, we got this cat and she's totally not sweet or nice or anything like that, but she was beautiful. PSA, don't pick a cat because it's beautiful (laughs) or a person. So then when we got her and she was like really kind of like, you know, troubled and everything, the vet was like, you know what? I think she needs another cat, like to help her learn how to be a cat. And so then we adopted this other cat who is, he is like, He's so sweet. He just, I love him. Anyway, um, what else about me? It's weird because I don't tell lots of personal things about myself, you know? So now I'm like, what can I tell you that's not too personal? Can I tell uh, you something about me? Yes, please do. I am a perfect human being, says what I say to my mom every time she says, Megan, stop it. I actually have a flaw. I am allergic to animals. Oh, that's sad. So every time someone's like, I have, I'm a cat person though. So every time someone's like, um, I have a dog to show you. I'm like, oh my God, should I die for this dog? And I was like, no, it depends. I will tell you, like, I'm a, like, I'm not really allergic. My husband is like a little allergic to, mm-hmm. to animals, but you know, you take like a, he takes like a pill and, and you I sneeze know. a little bit, but it's not, but like some people are like me. Yeah, like you can't be in the room or anything like that. So no, that's sad. Well, I do, I do cats better than dogs, and I'm like, okay, good because I love cats. Well, you could get a turtle. Um, you know what I do have? You can't be, you can't judge me. Um, I have two gerbils. Oh, that's cute. They're actually adorable. Um, but do you like take them out and play with them? Well, I, I don't because I, I don't have time for this. But um, my brother does. It's the worst because my grandma used to have a cat and I was like, oh, I'm like kissing it. And then I'm like not be able to breathe. But yeah, that's, that's my not, only that's... flaw. So don't ever ask about any other flaws in me. Well, that's a flaw. Me. I mean, I, I always feel bad for people um, who are allergic to peanut butter because mm. I love peanut butter so much. Mm-hmm. And and I just feel bad for them because I'm like, oh, my gosh, I eat peanut butter at least once or twice a day. Like, I just love peanut butter. So then I'm like, oh, these poor friends can't have peanut butter but you know i guess if you don't have it you don't maybe know what you're missing i don't know <laughs> as i eat like a snickers bar <laughs> oh god i would die without like a reese's cups oh man those are good I'm trying to like think of a good segue from peanut butter to my next question as i stare at you my next question she's gonna go right into it that's fine um not peanut butter related you write steamy queer rom-coms okay so on your website you say quote I'm writing stories I wish existed. The gay men in my stories are flawed and messy. Helping them find their own happily ever after is my passion, which I love. How did you figure out that you wanted to write these books? And when did you realize you were good at writing these kind of books? 
Well, I can answer the second part very easily, which is I still haven't. <laughs> there you go. Um, imposter syndrome is very, very deep and real. But when did I figure out? So I love reading books and I love reading queer books. You know, I went through a YA phase, which a lot of queer people did, or some people still love, like even adults still love queer YA. But I was kind of like, you know, like I love these books, but I also would like to see like what happens when these characters grow up. You know, it's a lot of coming out stories, which again, I love a coming out story, but you know, YA is written for YA, but adults can read it, obviously, and love it. And I did read it and love it. But so then I started kind of venturing into more adult books. Um, and, you know, I read the real popular ones, you know, like Red, White, and Royal Blue. That was like probably the first one that I read. And the thing about Red, White, and Royal Blue is like in hindsight, it is an adult book. Like technically they're adults, but it's almost like new adults. They're really young. They're like 22, I think, 22, 23, maybe. So like, not to say that a 22-year-old isn't an adult. When you think about that book, it's really almost more new adult. Um, but I didn't know that at the time, and I didn't care. I, I read it, and I liked it. And then I started reading more. I started looking for more rom-coms, because I love a rom-com. Like, the, that's my movie jam. Like, I'm going to put on a rom-com. And I could tell you my favorite one that everyone is like, that's a horrible movie. Maybe they think, I don't know, but I love it. But like my favorite one right now, like of the, it's like a newer one is Marry Me. Jennifer Lopez, Marry Me. Have you seen it? The Owen Wilson one? Don't you dare say, I will hang up the call if you bad mouth Marry Me. I've never seen it. It's fine. Okay. Have you really never seen it? I've never seen it. It's, you know what it is? It's classic. It's a classic rom-com. It's like, a marriage of convenience. That's the trope. And it's done really well. And I don't care what anyone says. I love Jennifer Lopez. Like I was it was it top tier wedding planner though? Oh, it was better than wedding planner, in my opinion. Okay. That's fine. But you haven't seen it, so you can't I haven't seen it. That's my fault. Yep. Can't and I've seen it. it a few times because I love it so much. Like anytime I'm on a plane and they have a movie, like the thing where you can pick the movie, I always pick Marry Me. Because it's just like a feel-good rom-com. Anyway, mm -hmm. I love rom-coms, so I was, like, reading a bunch of them. And, you know, they're, like, not very spicy, mostly. Like, the queer rom-coms, you know, like Red, White, and Royal Blue, which I know some people think, like, oh, that's pretty spicy. It's not. Um, in the grand scheme of spice, it's very low spice. And so I was reading other ones. And, again, I love them, but they're, like, not very spicy. So then I started reading traditional male-male romance, which... I like, but so this is just me personally, because those books are hella popular. Those authors are driving more expensive cars than me, who's driving a 10-year-old Subaru. Anyway, um, they're great, but they're like very angsty, sad, depressing, but the sex is really hot. So I was like, okay, you know, there are a few people um, that were writing queer rom-coms, but they're like indie, so like they're harder to find. Um, which I'm indie too, but like I didn't find, it took me a long time to find those books. I'll tell you, Kay Sterling, she writes, I don't know if you know that she has this nanny series out. It's called The Nannies of Manhattan. And there's four books. Actually, the fourth one isn't out yet, but there are three that are out and they're gay rom-coms and they're funny and they're very spicy. Love those books. Um, the other book that I love that I read was um, The Romance Recipe. 
by Ruby Barrett, who is like one of my favorite people in the world. She's like, I just, I can't even say how much I love Ruby Barrett. But anyway, the romance recipe is sapphic, but I read it anyway. And it was so hot. Like it's very steamy. So I was like, where is the gay rom-com that's funny and sweet and you know you're like when I say funny I mean like I want jokes I don't know if you watch Drag Race but like there's a joke on Drag Race where RuPaul will say where are the jokes like when they're doing something that's comedic and the 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 drag queens aren't funny and so it's like sometimes I'm reading these rom-coms I'm like where are the jokes like the setup is a rom-com right but there's it's not very funny and so I was like well maybe I could write one. I don't know. And so I started to to think about like, could I write fiction? So something that some people maybe don't know about me is in my professional life, like my non-writer life, I write for a living. Like that's part of what I do, but I don't write fiction. I write, let's just call it nonfiction. It's like not fiction at all. There's nothing fictitious about it. So writing fiction is new to me, even though I am a writer in my other life. So I started taking some classes. Um, I've probably taken in the, like since COVID began, I've probably taken like 10 courses. Some of them have been like one day. Some of them have been eight weeks. Some of them have been like a workshop where you're like workshopping something and getting feedback from people, all different kinds of classes. And And through all of that, I was like, I have this idea about writing a queer teacher, and I think I'm going to do it. And then I just did it. Some of my friends are like, I can't believe you actually did it. Like, you said you were going to do it, but most people say they're going to do it, and then they don't do it. And you actually did it. I have ADHD, in case you haven't figured that out in however many minutes we've been talking. And one of the things with my ADHD, because it's different for everybody, but for for me, I can get into a place where it's not healthy. Like I actually, it's not a healthy thing, but I can um, like become obsessed with things. And I became obsessed with this book, with these characters. I was like to the point where I would go to sleep at night and I would dream about them and I would wake up and I would write about them. And I became like almost unhealthy. And I will say with the second book, I tried to do a better job. I had some strategies to try to like not become so obsessed, but I kind of did also. I think that's just the way my personality is. So I just wrote the book and then, you know, people are like, oh, you just wrote the book. It's not easy. It was hard. You know, like I, it took a lot of planning. Um, I don't know if you're going to ask, are you going to ask me about my process? Do you want me to talk about that? I'm not going to ask you, but I want to hear about it. Go. Okay. So basically, and now I've written two books. So I kind of like have a rhythm. That's what she said. Um, of my process. <laughs> Here's how I do it. First, I outline the book. I know some people are like outline that takes all the creativity out. Not for me. I need an outline. I need, like, the way I look at it is writing a book is like riding a roller coaster. And the rail is the outline. If I didn't have the rail, think about the car. It would be, like, all over the park, right? Like, I would write 10,000 words and be like, oh, my God, what am I even writing? Like, I have to cut all that. I don't want to do that. So I outline. And the outline takes me a while. It takes me probably, like, three weeks about. And so... Then I have an outline of the story, like all the beats 
because that's what a romance or romantic comedy is. It's beats, right? So I have all the beats and I have like a little bit of how the story is going to flow. And then I write it. And the drafting, because I'm me and I became obsessed with both books, takes me about a month to write the whole book, which is very quick. I know people are like a month, maybe five weeks. I don't know. Because basically I write a chapter a day. And how many chapters are in a book? 35 maybe. So it takes me about a month to, you know, maybe four or five weeks every day, including the weekend. Because once I'm in it, I'm in it. Like I'm just, I can't stop. But here's the thing. At the end of that time, I have a draft, but it's horrible. Like it's not good. It's like really bad. So then I have to reread it and I have to revise it and I have to edit it over and over and over again. And that takes longer. For teacher of the year, that took me probably about two months. It was my first time too. So like, I really didn't know what I was doing. Then I have a developmental edit. And that's, if people don't know what that is, you send your book to someone who is like a book expert. Usually they're an author who's written many books and they read your manuscript and they give you feedback. And I got a lot of feedback on teacher of the year. Like that was very... (laughs) you know, it was overwhelming, honestly. Like I remember when I first got it back, I I said to my husband, I was like, well, I think I'm just going to quit. Like legit, like I'm done. I'm not, there's no way I can make all these changes. And he was like, this is what he said to me. My husband is the nicest man. He said, Matt, you have a good book. Do you want a great book? And I was like, oh, and he hadn't read it, but you know, he was just trying to be supportive. And so I was like, yeah, you're right. So you know that saying, some people, when I say the saying, they look at me like they've never heard it. How do you eat an elephant? Do you know the saying? No. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You know, like something that's overwhelming, like, oh my God, I have to eat this whole elephant. Like, why would you do, why would you ever eat an elephant? But you know, it's just a saying. So I just started very slowly. And the woman who actually did my first developmental edit, her name is Amy Spalding. She's an author. She's amazing. Look her up, buy her books, read her, follow her. She's iconic. Her Instagram is one of my favorites. She's one of those people that shares like weird shit to her stories that always makes me cackle. So you want to follow her. Anyway, I said to her, I was like, Amy, you've given me all this great feedback, but I don't know how to do this. And she gave me a method of how to do it. And it involves a spreadsheet, which is scary because spreadsheets are scary to me, but I did it. And I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it. So I did it. And then it was done. Oh, and then, you know, you have to send it to an editor, like a, like a regular editor, like a line copy editor. But by the time I sent it to her, I had read and revised it so many times. She was kind of like, she, I mean, don't get me wrong. She did a lot of editing, I don't think it was in the same shape as a lot of books that she gets because I had done so much work to it. Um, And that's just how I am. I'm so, you know, like, it has to be good before anyone sees it. I'll tell you the first, one of the first people who read it, do you know Courtney Kay? Yeah, I've heard of her. Courtney is like one of the sweetest humans ever and has a book coming out called In the Case of Heartbreak that's really, really cute because I was the first person that ever read it bragging. But anyway, Courtney was one of the first people that read Teacher of the Year because I was going to be on Courtney's podcast. Courtney and Fallon Ballard, who's also like iconic, have a podcast. They were like, oh, come on our podcast. And so I did. And but Courtney was like, but you have to let me read the book. Like we'll have nothing to talk about. Can I just tell you, Megan, 
can I tell you? Can we talk? We can talk. We can chat. I was almost in tears. I was so scared to have Courtney read my book because here's a person who's like a published author. I had read her book and like really respected this person. And I was like mortified and petrified to let them read my book. And it I also had not been edited at yet. Like, I think I had sent it to my editor, but it hadn't been edited. And she read it. She's like, can I write you a blurb? And I was like, is that something that I need? And she was like, well, you don't have to, but I'm happy to do it. Well, P.S. It's on the cover, you know, like you, you want blurbs on your cover, like, to, cause then people are like, oh my God, someone liked this book. I should, maybe I should read it. So that's how I wrote teacher of the year. And the second book, pretty much the same way, except this time, and I won't name drop on the podcast. Cause you know, sometimes things could happen this time. I was like, you know what? I'm going to ask people to blurb my book. I didn't ask anyone. That's how I felt about my book. I was so scared. But now I'm like, I need to have some balls. So I asked some people to read my book and if they would blurb it. And they're actually reading it right now. Some of them are like big people. I want to say it, but I don't. Because then like, what if they don't? So, yeah. During that, I had just so many questions. Okay, let me talk about Courtney reading it. I know you were nervous, obviously, to have her read it. When she did read it, probably loved it. Wait a minute. What? what? There's more to the story. So Courtney read the book, loved it, and was like, Matt, we have to send this book to this other woman. And I was like, wait a minute. I barely wanted you to read it. What the hell are you talking about? She's like, we have to send this book to this woman. Her name is... Melissa. And I was like, who the hell is Melissa? She owns this company, Steamy Lit. Like she needs to read this book. And I was like, okay. So unedited goes to Mel. I think, I don't know if she likes to be called Mel or Melissa. So I do both. Okay. I'm going to do both too. So sent the book to her, didn't hear anything. And I was like, and of course, I don't know. I can't speak for other authors, but for me, when I send a book to someone and I don't hear anything, I'm like, they hate the book. Like they must hate it. So that's what I just thought. I was like, oh, well, guess she hated it. And then like three weeks later, I get an email from her. Hey, Matt, this is Mel from Steamy Lit. I want to put your book in the summer box. This is a fun story. I was like, I guess that's okay. So then I ran it to Courtney and I was like, do I want to have my book? And she was like, yes, you do. So then Mel was like, okay, we want to do a special edition cover. Who do you want to illustrate it? And I was like, I don't know. Like, how the hell do I know? I don't really know people, you know, like I'm brand new. I don't know. And I had just bought the red, white, and royal blue special edition because it had just come out. And um, Vanessa Kelly did the illustrations. And, you know, Vanessa Kelly is like straight up famous. Like she's friends with Casey McQuiston and the two hot guys that are in red, white, and royal blue. Like she's famous like legit famous. So I was like, I don't know, Vanessa Kelly. And I said it as a joke. Like number one, they won't be able to afford her to do the cover. Number two, she's going to be like, I'm too famous for this. So this is how these people work. You go through an agent, you know, you don't actually talk to them. Vanessa would like to read the book. It's almost like you have to audition. You know, like, because, which I get, like, she doesn't want to just like slap her artwork on something that she doesn't like. So I mailed her a book, didn't hear anything, nothing. 
And then like weeks later, I get a DM on Instagram from Vanessa, famous Vanessa Kelly, who has like, you know, a lot of followers and she's like friends with all these people. She said, what would you like for the cover for your book? I screamed, legit screamed. Like I screamed and I'm not a screamer, like not even in the bedroom. I don't scream. I screamed. I was like, what? And then she was like, oh my God, did they not tell you? No, they hadn't. The communications, you know, get, I don't know, crossed or whatever. Then like the next day, Melissa sent me an email letting me know. And, but Vanessa had already told me. So then I got to work with Vanessa. Like we've, we've become friends. So like, I'm kind of friends with a famous person. So what does that make me like famous adjacent? We talked about, and she had read the book. And um, so then this is what, you know, came out of it. You're pulling <laughs> stories out of your butt. But I feel like these are like but true. I know that's what I'm saying. But the problem is they're true. It is. It's wild. I don't know how else to describe it. And so it's just wild. And I will tell you, there was a time there before my book came out, like before it actually came out, where every day something was happening, like something like this was happening. And honestly, it was overwhelming in a way, like I was in tears, like I was crying and I'm not like an overly emotional person like that, like where I'm like crying all the time or anything. And my husband's like, what is wrong with you? Like all these amazing things are happening. Why are you crying? And I was like, I'm overwhelmed. People say they're overwhelmed. And I guess maybe me too. Like I would say I was overwhelmed, but now I'm truly overwhelmed, like with goodness, like it's good things, but it was just, it was so much. And I actually started therapy like because of it, Courtney, give her a shout out too. Courtney was like, Matt, you need therapy. And I was like, you're damn right. I do. Um, and so I did because it was so overwhelming. Like all these things are happening. And I, you know, I wrote a book and here's the thing. You write a book and you don't expect anything to happen. Most books just kind of fizzle out. And especially an indie book, I think I read a statistic that most indie books sell in their lifetime, like the life of the book, 250 books. That's not a lot of books, right? No. So, I mean, I've sold thousands of books in two months, like not the lifetime of the book. My sales are going up, like I'm selling more books. So... It's not anything that I would have ever expected. Let me go back to my question that says, when did you realize you were good at it? You are a stone cold liar. You are good at this. <laughs> I, okay. So this is how I'm going to tell you why I still don't know. Yeah. So I wrote this book, Teacher of the Year. People can't, I'm holding it up. No one can see it. It's a podcast. Um, I wrote this book and I honestly, honestly did not, I thought like maybe it was okay, but I didn't think it was like good or certainly not great or amazing or anything like that. My husband was one of the first people who read it after it came back from the editor. And he is not like a voracious reader or anything. He's like nerdy. He's almost like a nerdy straight guy, but he just happens to be gay. Lucky me. And he has read some books, like some rom-coms, queer rom-coms. Because if I read a book and I love it, I'm like, oh my God, you have to read this book. And he will. And I won't name any of the books, but he read my book and he was like, Matt, it's better than these books. And like the thing about him is like, he loves me and, you know, he's going to be supportive and everything, but he's not going to blow smoke up my ass. Like, I know that about him. So I was like, oh, okay. And then I have a, a an author friend who I met on Instagram and we've become like really good buds and we help each other and stuff. 
and her name is Jay Lee. She writes like the traditional male male romances that are like kind of darker and angsty and all that kind of stuff. Um, so not rom-coms, but anyway, she read it and said the same thing. She didn't know my husband had said that. She was like, Matt, it's better than these books. And I was like, okay, well, she wouldn't say that if it wasn't true either. So then I was like, okay, maybe, maybe it's a good book. Right. And then it started to get popular and then Goodreads. Yeah. People can't see the face you're making, but it looks like Megan just sucked on a lemon. When I said Goodreads, that's what her face looked like. So I had a bad relationship with Goodreads and it's like, you know, you shouldn't do it. Like, you know, don't look, don't look, but you can't help it. Like you're like, cause you're seeking feedback, right? You want to see like, do people like my book? And so I kept like putting myself on these things. Like I'm not going to look and I wouldn't for like two days. And then invariably there I am on somehow back on Goodreads. And there was one review, and I don't know who it was because I don't remember because this was a while ago, and it was mean. It was so mean that the person used GIFs in the review, which I didn't even know you could do that. You can't. Like reaction, GIFs, because they hated the book so much. And because Goodreads is the way that it is, so many people had liked this mean review that it was the first review that shows that shows up. And I honestly was so wrecked by that. Like I was really upset because here's the thing, and I'm not trying to get sympathy, but I'm just being honest. I was a little scrawny, nerdy, Jewish, gay kid. I don't do well being picked on. That's what it is. It's not constructive. It's mean. And when someone is mean, it hurt my feelings and I was upset. And my husband who had been dealing with like, don't go on Goodreads. It's not for, you know, like telling me all these things. He was like angry and he wasn't angry at the person who wrote the nasty review. He was angry at me because I wasn't staying off of Goodreads like I'm supposed to. So what did he do? He is a nerd. I love nerds. Do you love nerds? I do. Like, I think nerds are hot. I like glasses. Totally. You know what I mean? So, so like my husband, he, he, like I wear my glasses all the time. He like puts them on. Like he's one of those people that doesn't always need them, but when he has them on, I like it more. Anyway, he's like, what's the name of this website? And I told him it's called Goodreads. And he went into his office and I hear click, 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 click. It's blocked from our home network. And then I was like, wait a minute. You can, I didn't know that was a thing you could even do. On my network, in my home, I am not, I can't get to those websites. Like, I'm not capable of getting to them. Now, I could, like, go off the network or whatever, but I don't. It's So, it's like, it's like the training that I needed. I haven't been on Goodreads in probably four or five weeks. Maybe longer. I don't even remember. Whenever that nasty review was, that's when I was like, peace out. I'm out. Part of me wonders, like, do they want me to see that? I don't know, but I'm not seeing it. So, good for them. They can be mean if they want. I read books sometimes that I don't like, and I just keep that to myself. I hate when people, my biggest pet peeve is people tagging authors in bad reviews of theirs. Well, and I will say that you're right. But like Goodreads, no one's tagging you. It's like But it's under your book. Yeah. Long story short, way too late for that, part two. I question, like when you read somebody saying horrible things about your writing, your book, your story, your characters that you have spent so much time, energy, and emotion, it makes you think like, 
oh God, maybe, maybe I suck. Like I literally thought that, which is why I can't be looking at that. Right. Here's the thing. I am hard enough on myself. I don't need other people to do it. Like I can do it on my own. So when I wrote the second book, I finished the draft and then I did the thing where I like read it and revised it for like, I don't know, maybe three, two or three weeks. So, cause the first draft is really rough. So then like, I got, I don't want it to be so rough. I asked my friend Jay, who's this writing friend of mine. I was like, can you just do me a favor? Can you read this book and just tell me if it sucks or not? Because I really don't know. Maybe I had one good book in me and I wrote it and I'm done. And so I gave it to her. Now, the thing about her that is, well, there's many things about her that I really like, but one thing is that she is super fast. So she read my whole book in like a day. I gave it to her on one day and by the next day she was finished. That's just how she is. And I was like, okay, tell me like, you know, bracing for impact. And she's like, it's better than teacher of the year. And I was like, really? She was like, Matt, I wouldn't bullshit you. Like, I would tell you the truth. It's better. And I will tell you, almost everyone who's read the second one has said that too. So now I'm like, oh, but here's the thing. Now I'm starting to think about the third book. Like I'm starting to kind of outline it a little bit. And I'm like, I don't know if I can do it again. <laughs> and honestly, my husband, I keep talking about him. Poor my husband. When I was having all these like panics about the second book, he looks at me and he goes, is this going to happen every time you write a book? And before I can answer, he said, he goes, oh yeah, it is. Because every book is different. And so every time you write something new, you're going to be worried that people won't like it or that you didn't do it right. Like, so first book is, is single point of view. And this book is dual point of view. So like, that's really different. So I'm like, I don't know. Can I write a dual point of view? I don't know. And I will tell you, I'm not going to say the person's name. One of the people who's blurbing the second book, who's reading it right now, and I hadn't heard anything from this person. I was like, they must hate it. Yesterday in their story, they posted that they were reading my book and how much they were loving it. So I was like, oh my God. I don't think like I'm so great. I just think they don't hate it. Okay. So I also need to chime in here for the fact that you need more patience in your life. Because what I've been hearing is you're like, okay, I gave this book to so-and-so or whatever. And two days later, they did not get back to me. And I think they hate it. That was a big sigh for you. I think that people are trying to gather up the words of how much they love it. And you're like, they hate it. So I sent book two to my editor a week ago today. And basically she's, she said, I got it. Like, that's what I heard from her and I hadn't heard it and I haven't heard anything yet. And now I've been through this process once with her and she usually checks in like once a week, but usually it's like on Thursday, Friday, like at the end of the week, cause she doesn't work over the weekend. And it's not like, I love your book. It's just kind of like, here's the progress I'm making. And when I expect to be finished, that kind of thing. So I'm like, oh my God, her name's Manda and she's British. Like, don't you just, I just love British people. Although that's not true. There's one person that I had in my life that was British that I did not like. Um, But mostly I love British people because I just love the accent, right? Anyway, Manda is her name. She's my editor. I love her. She's amazing. Like she makes my books sparkle, you know? Anyway, today, like maybe an hour before this podcast, do you want me to read you what she sent me? I do. Oh, I'm going to. I just have to bring it up on my phone. She said, Hello, Matt. Of course, British people wouldn't say hi. They would say hello. I'm not going to read it in a British accent. She said, hello, Matt. Just taking a couple of minutes out of editing to say that, oh my goodness, 
This one is even better. I'm so impressed. Like, she didn't have to do that. I mm. cried. I cried. And then I wrote her back and said, like, oh, my God, thank you, because I really thought you were probably hating me. You know what? This is what I'm going to tell you, Megan. I think there are two types of authors. There, Most authors, I think, are like me, riddled with self-doubt and imposter syndrome. So there's that. Or there are people, and I know a few, like I have suspicions that of a few people who are like this, and I'm not going to say names. So there are authors like me or other types of authors, and I think there are some that just probably think they take the, the biggest, stinkiest, I had Mexican food for dinner shit, and they think it smells like roses, right? Like there's nothing ever wrong. They don't need a sensitivity reader. They don't need a developmental edit. And you know what? Good for them. I would like a little bit of that. Like I would like a little bit of that confidence, but also because I am so riddled with self-doubt, it creates a flow of my process that I think ensures that my books are good and high quality because I'm not cocky about it. I had three sensitivity readers for book two, Mistletoe and Michigas. Three, because one of the main characters is plus size. And I was so riddled with worry that I was going to be offensive. Like, I'm like, oh my God, people are going to think that I'm fat phobic, that I'm fat shaming, when literally my intention is the opposite. I had one person read it and I was like, "Uh, okay, can you read it? Two people. Um, Can you read it? Three people. And I'm so glad that I did because each person noted different things. So I think a little bit of self-doubt is good. I agree. I think that whenever someone reads my essay or I turn in for class or whatever, and people are like, this is terrible. And I'm like, well, you know what? I quit life. Um, But wait, they tell (laughs) you it's terrible. I had one class that said they hated my, they absolutely hated my essay. And then I wrote a book and it was included and everyone loved it. So (laughs) (laughs) I will tell you that is the best, like, I don't want to give too much attention to the person that wrote the mean review with GIFs. Mm-hmm. I'm sure if you go to my Goodreads page, it's probably still the top one or one of the top ones. Well, that was months ago. So there's probably another mean one. But anyway, the best feeling is that my book is successful. My therapist, who I love, um, said to me, she's like, Matt, what do you, what are you worried about? What's the worst thing that's going to happen? And I was like, I guess I don't even know. I said, I think there's a little voice in me that's like, People are going to listen to that person and be like, oh, God, we don't want to read this piece of trash, you know, that it was so bad I needed gifs. That's how bad it was. But the thing is, that's not what's happened. Mm-hmm. I think I, I could just ask, like, how do you say it? Mistletoe Mishkas? Michigas. Michigas. Like that Michigan, but you, I was I was very hesitant to put that word in the title because it's Yiddish and a lot of people don't know what it means or whatever. But then I was, again, this is a little, like if I was going to traditionally publish this book, here's what they wouldn't do. They wouldn't let me put Yiddish in the title. They would probably not want me to have a plus size main character. They definitely wouldn't want him on the cover looking big. Um, And they certainly wouldn't have the two men touching on the cover. And I was like, oh, here are all the things that traditional publishing would never let me do. I'm going to do them all. Um, And it feels really good. And I will say, like, I was and I still am a little nervous. Like, how are people going to accept my characters? Because neither one of them are traditional hunky guys, you know, like neither one of them. But so far, been very positive. Like, people seem very into it. Um, And, you know, my message is I think everybody deserves 
a happily ever after. It doesn't matter if you look like a Hollywood model actor that's starring in a movie based on a queer rom-com that everyone knows what I'm talking about. And those people deserve a happily ever after, but guess what? They're going to get one. They're gorgeous. But guess what? Everyone deserves one too. Like the people who follow me on Instagram don't look like that. I don't look like that. You don't look like that. Nobody looks like that. And I get it. That's a fantasy. And I love it. Don't get me wrong. I'll be the first one watching that movie on August, whatever date it comes out. Like I'll be right, I'll be right there with my popcorn. But they aren't the only ones, right? Like it's it shouldn't be only if you look like that, do you get a story like that? Even Heartstopper, you know, like I love Heartstopper. I love it. I read the books years ago before the show came out and I love them and I love the show too. One of the things I love about the show is that one of the characters isn't a traditional hunk. Like they did it for one of them, you know? So I was like, yay, you know, um, we get, we get some rep there that like not everybody has to look like a gorgeous model, but who gets most of the focus? The gorgeous one. That's the one everyone's talking about. So with this book, I was kind of like, I'm going to, I'm going to try this and see how it goes. And so I have, you know, my one character is like really short and super feminine and wears makeup and nail polish and, you know, is very gay. Like, I think one of the lines in the book, the one character is talking to his parents about the other one. And he's like, well, he's gay. And the mother's like, well, of course we would, we would assume your boyfriend would be gay. And he says, no, mom, he's like gay, gay. (laughs) And then she says, wait, is there a scale (laughs) or something like that? I mean, I'm paraphrasing. I don't have the book in front of me, but that's the gist of it. And you know what? Like, those are the guys that are always like the best friend, the Jack McFarlane right? From Will and Grace. They're, they never are the will. They never get the love story. Like those types of men exist. And so they deserve to have a love story and read about it. And so then also I was like, why does everyone have to be like perfect ab, you know, pecs? Not everybody looks like that, you know? And I have a lot of friends who don't look like that. And so I was like, I want to write that. Like, I want to write about someone who is overweight. And I don't want to say that he's like, he like hates that he's overweight or whatever, but he's self-conscious about it, right? Like, because, because look at the gay community, right? And there's nothing wrong with him. He doesn't need to exercise. He doesn't need to diet. He doesn't need to lose weight. That's not what happens in my book. What happens is that he comes to realize, I'm totally telling you the whole story, but not really. He comes to realize that he's perfect just how he is. He just needed help seeing it. He doesn't have to change because I will tell you, I have read one book and I actually like the book. It's a gay romance. And one of them is, is plus size. But the story of the book is that he's, he's like losing weight. That's not going to be the narrative. The narrative is going to be, you're great. Just how you are. And I know in heterosexual rom-coms, that's like a big thing right now. Like plus size female main characters, like that's hot now. I see that a lot, but it's always the women Although I've I've heard there are a couple of ones that have men like Weather Girl, which I haven't read. I heard oh, that yeah. the male c- main character is plus size, so that's great. But like not in queer books, so I'm excited for this book. I hope people like it. I love this book. Like I fell so in love with both these characters. It, it just I just love them so much. And so you know I want other people to love them because I love them. 
that's something that we are going to do, not because you wrote them, but because you're good at it. <laughs> I hope so. No, this is an exciting time, especially for, I mean, for us to read your stuff, but for you to put something out that you work so hard, you are obsessed with, because we are obsessed with, that you're obsessed with it. Matt, thank you for coming on Mega's Bookish Life podcast. I don't know. I have no words for how great you are. Well, could you try? No, I'm totally kidding. (laughs) People are not used to me because many authors are very quiet and introverted. And I've been on a lot of podcasts or like I was on a live the other day and the guy was like, afterwards, he was like, I'm usually pulling teeth to get people to talk. And I was like, oh, not me. (laughs) I think I do well for people. Thank you for listening to Megan's Bookish Life podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.